Well, thank you for the introduction. That was uh, a moving one. I almost had me to tears there. That's not a good way to start my uh, sermon. Anyway, some of y'all know me, some of y'all don't. Those that don't know me, I'm always available for a lunch date, whatever you want to do. Um, so yeah, it's a privilege to get to be here, but let me, uh, let me first begin with some prayer. Lord, gracious God, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for this blessing and privilege that it is that we get to be here, God. We are a blessed people. Lord, may we never take it for granted, the privilege that it is, Lord, the redemption that you brought in each of our lives, Lord. And anyone here that does not know you, God, I pray that you just do a wondrous work in their heart right now, that they will get to know you, Lord. Let us set the worries of the world to the side, Lord, and, and just seek you with all of our heart, Lord. Let us seek your heart, God, above all else. Nothing else will do, Lord, but only you, Father. So thank you for this time. Bless as we go, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're doing a uh, series on equipping of the saints. I'm sorry, redefining the church. My topic is uh, equipping the saints. Um, so I'm going to share about the importance of the equipping of the saints. So yes, this message is actually geared for believers that are already in the body of Christ. If you are not a believer and a follower of Christ, I pray that you do so, do so today. And uh, come see me after. I would love to, to walk you through that. Um, but yeah, this, ser this uh, sermon is for the saints. So turn with me to Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. I'm going to share And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm going to share three things today that are essential to the equipping of us as the body of Christ. I'm going to go through first... That God will equip us. I'm sure there are times, I, I can speak for myself here, that there are times that we are called to things that we just feel as though we are inadequate for. You know the saying that uh, God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called? That's us. He's talking about that's who we are. We are the called. So he will equip us. But the, the question is, is how does this happen? What, what does that mean? So what resources does God provide for us to be, as Ephesians 4 calls us, to mature manhood, which is human, humankind, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? First, when you become a follower of Christ, he gives you the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. When you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the Holy Spirit will reside within us and be our guide and, and wisdom. It wants to help us and comfort us and, and uh, help us in the wisdom of that. John 14, 15 through 18. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world, the world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him. 
because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. So the spirit of truth is with us. It should be encouraging to us to know that God has given us the Holy Spirit as a helper to understand the things of God that those who don't know God cannot understand. We have that. So again, the, the role of the Holy Spirit gives us strength and the ability to fight against sin. Ephesians 4.30 tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We have a choice to make each day, every moment we have a choice to make, every single moment, to either we can walk in the flesh or we can walk in the spirit. When we are in our flesh, what I'm talking about there is we are doing whatever we think is wise without acknowledging God. Then we are in trouble. I say that we are in trouble because hear me when I say, my friends, that there are forces out here of evil and wickedness that are much stronger than ourselves. They only want to harm us and, 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 and cause us to live in sin, which leads to death. Let me give you an example of what I mean when I say by walking in the flesh. Some of you may recall in this scripture, in Matthew 16, 22, Jesus tells the disciples and, and he goes to Peter and tells him, I have to die. And what does Peter say? No, Jesus, that's a bad idea. After that, Jesus gives him probably, yeah. Peter receives the most famous rebuke in all of the Bible. Peter tells, I mean, Jesus tells Peter, get behind me, Satan. Nice one, Peter, right? He, he, he almost ruined everything for us. If he, <laughs> but, uh. Another example, Genesis 3, 6. Adam and Eve eat the forbidden fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Though the eating of a piece of fruit might not, be, might not seem like that big of a deal. The consequences of this one act were substantial. Sin entered the world. These are just two examples of when someone decides to walk in the flesh. They did not consider the Lord or the Holy Spirit for guidance. Nothing good ever happens. So that is why Paul writes in Galatians 5.15. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. A.W. Tozer, one of my uh, favorite theologians of old, he once said, the Holy Spirit is faithful in equipping us to run this race. He knows the obstacles we will face and fully prepares us for the race. We are in training to defeat all the hindrances that will keep us from finishing the race. So let's be excited and encouraged that we have the Holy Spirit of the living God to help us in our walk with Jesus Christ. Without the Holy Spirit, we will not be able to understand the next important treasure that I'm going to talk about. And that is the Word of God, the Bible. I believe that there are questions that every single one of us asks, every human being asks. Where did we come from? How did we get here? What are we? Where are we going? Human beings, no matter how smart and profound we think that we can be, we can never know or discover these answers on our own. These questions can only be answered by going to the Bible for answers. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, 
for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I want to I break this verse down a little bit. So I'm going to camp out here for a brief moment and just go through this. Um, uh, so the scriptures are God-breathed and inspired from God. The ultimate origin of the word is God alone. So it's profitable for doctrine or teaching, which means that it corrects any falsehood that may oppose it while building up believers to live godly lives. For reproof, as to rebuke false teachers and admonish any of those who may be deceived by the false teachers of the day, that is today. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, that's what I was trying to think. I was like, all right, up top, everybody up top. Anyway, uh, for correction, to help for us to grow in godly behaviors, for training in righteousness. This is to do what is right and in accordance to what God desires for us. And lastly, equipped for every good work. Make sure you catch that. It says... Not some good work, not most good work. It says every good work. So hear this. The, the word of God is a gift to us, to his people. He didn't leave us here somehow to try to figure things out on our own, on the, on the wing, you know. What are we supposed to do? No, he, he left us instruction. So... We're supposed to live our lives according to the scriptures. Nextly, I want to talk about prayer. I found this to be absolutely awesome as I was doing this uh, uh, research. But did you know before Pentecost, the disciples asked Jesus for him to teach them how to pray? What is awesome is that you will not find that question anywhere after the book of Acts and on. You want to know why they, don't, they stopped asking that was because prayer was automatic for the early church. Because they understood that it was a gift from God, and he worked through prayer. Prayer is a gift to us because it is based on God's love for us. He is more eager to, to, to answer our prayers and to hear our voices than we are eager to pray and even speak to our God. He wants to hear from us. I think of like the earthly father, right? Your little kids come home from school or wherever, and they, hey, daddy, hey, mommy, you know, and you're excited. You just want to hear what they're going to say. That's the same way that God wants to hear our voices. So prayer is a reward and a conduit for us, for God, to extend his beautiful grace by giving us things we don't deserve. While he also, through his mercy, shields and protects us from the things we do deserve. Prayer is a resource from God to us because it gives us a means to acknowledge him. Prayer is a way that we seek guidance concerning his will for our lives. Proverbs 15.8 says, The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked, but the prayer of the upright pleases him. It pleases God when we pray. 
So use this gift and give him praise. Next I'm going to talk about is fellowship. God has given us the gift of fellowship. God did not create us to be alone, and nor did he intend for us to be on this journey without the help and love from one another. We need each other. We need fellowship, not friendship, but fellowship. There's a difference. Fellowship is given to us from God as a way not to just focus on the details of Jesus Christ's return, but actually to focus on the blessed hope himself, the very same Jesus that is coming back. Again, God has given us to get to fellowship with one another. Take note of in Acts 2, 41 through 42. So those who received his word were baptized, so they were saved. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. The very next verse after you, after, you can see exactly what they did. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And catch this. To the fellowship of one another. They didn't waste no time. These, guys, these people were saved, souls were saved, 3,000, boom, straight into fellowship. They recognized that the gift from God of fellowship was important. They recognized it right away. Next, I want to talk about the meeting place. That's the here, right? The, 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 when, I'm, when I say the church... I'm speaking of the local congregation. That's what I'm talking about, where we come to worship, right here, where we all are. I understand that, yes, there is the universal church, which is the body of believers as individuals. For example, when we go out of this building, we are still the church as believers who go out and make disciples in the community. At least we should be. This is what I mean by universal church. Now, what I'm speaking about right now is the church, the local church, where we come together regularly. There were actual local churches all through Scripture, all through the New Testament. Paul addresses them in the letters that he wrote. I want to express how the church is a resource and a gift from God to help equip saints. It provides us a place to find opportunity to serve our community and help others. The church provides prayer meetings. The church provides an assembly of the redeemed. That is what we are here. So the importance of every church across this nation in every country is to worship God together and serve God as a body of Christ. So lastly, I need to get into our responsibility what are we uh, uh, to be equipped? What are we supposed to do with all this that I just talked about? Our responsibility to be equipped. Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted, in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, 
which is in the likeness of God, or I'm sorry, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So what do, to equip ourselves, right? We must first do what? Put off our old self. You wouldn't go putting on new clothes over, you know, your old dirty clothes, right? You wouldn't put new equipment over top of the old. You first would have to take off your former way of life. Put off your old ways. Turn away from the things we once did and the ways we once lived. So verse 23 talks about be renewed in the spirit of your mind, right? Verse 24, and put on the new man in accordance with God who is created in righteousness and holiness from the truth. Here's the question again, how do we do this? How do we put off our old and put on the new? How do we live into mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? We must equip ourselves with all the resources God has given us and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. The resources I am talking about is everything I just went over up to this very point. I was thinking about it. Wouldn't it just be nice to wake up every morning and say, here I am, Lord, make me righteous, make me holy, and boom. It doesn't work that way. I'm sorry to say, my friends. You want to know how to renew your mind? You must read the word of God. Psalm 119, 105. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Matthew 4.4. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Last one, Psalm, one, Psalm 119.9. How can the young man keep his way pure? By, guard, by guarding it according to your word. Let me ask this. Where's your Bible? Maybe it's on a shelf somewhere in your house. Maybe you got it under your bed. Maybe it's shoved up in your closet somewhere. Or maybe you got it sitting on your coffee table so when people walk in, they can see just how holy you are. I have heard people say to me, they never hear from God or are struggling to hear from God. Let me tell you that don't come talking to me about you don't hear from God when your Bibles are closed. We have access right here. To the very words breathed out by God. So if you think that spending 10 to 15 minutes per day is going to sustain you for a period of 24 hours, you are sadly mistaken. It's just not going to work. 
But that is how the word equips us. Prayer. Let's talk about our prayer life. Martin Luther once said that to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. So let me ask you, how is your breathing? Are you suffocating? Are we being choked out by the worries of the world? How about this? Do we even still believe in prayer anymore? Are we gasping for air? Are we living life frantically gasping? Or are we breathing deeply? Right? Are we actually living life according to Scripture? Are we praying without ceasing? as the scripture calls us to do. My dear friends, never neglect your prayer life. Be faithful, be diligent in prayer, because God still answers prayers. Believe that. And that is how prayer will equip you. So now we'll talk about fellowship. How does fellowship equip the saint? What is the importance of fellowship? Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Verse 25, here it is. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, so here it is. This is not a nice suggestion or a nice idea to, to, that we should gather. This is a command. Nowhere in the New Testament is there any reference to the Lone Ranger Christian. You won't find it. What I'm getting at here, my friends, is if you are not an active member or serving in the local church or in the church, you are outside of the will of God and are a very weak Christian. Granted, there are some saints that are sick and homebound. I understand that. I'm not talking about them. There's some that can't be here. But I'm talking about, for example, if you miss church because you went to a Clemson game Saturday and just cannot wake up to get here, I'm talking about you. Another example, maybe you have a job that schedules you every Sunday morning. Find another job. I'm talking about you. Priorities, my friends. Priorities. If your walk and relationship with Christ is, is what you hold above all else, then you will be here serving in your local church. That is how the church equips the saint. So I'm going to wrap it up with this. But above all, I need to emphasize that we can do none of this apart from the Holy Spirit. Without the power of the Spirit, we are useless. So I want to make sure that this gets straightened out, though, because this is not some, like, 
works-based checklist type of message that I'm giving here. It's not. What I am talking about is that if we are walking in step with the Holy Spirit, then these things will take place in obedience with the love that took place on that cross when Jesus Christ gave his life for us. Fruit will be bared if you are a true follower of Christ. Amen? All right, let me pray. King Jesus, we thank you again, Lord, for resourcing us, God, and not leaving us here wandering aimlessly, God. Lord, to be quite frank, you did. You left us without excuse. And we're thankful for that, Lord. So help us, God. Help each of us. None of us can do this in our own strength. We can only do this through you, God. We can do nothing apart from you. So, Lord, I pray that you just help us to be men and women of prayer. Be people of your word, your scriptures, Lord. Let us be those people. Be people of fellowship and community that love one another, that, that love the community, love our neighbors, God. Not because we have some agenda set out before us to make people think something different of us, but because that we are bearing fruit of the gospel and the redemption in our lives that was done on that cross, Lord. The gospel is the root. The fruit will be bared, Lord. So let us just seek you diligently again in your word. Let us never depart from your scriptures, God. Let us stay in prayer and stay in fellowship and serve our local community, wherever you have us, God. Let us just be a light to uh, uh, this dark world needs for such a time as this, Lord. We thank you again for this time and the privilege that it is that we get to have fellowship together. It's in Christ Jesus' holy and precious name I pray. Amen. Thank you.